We're here to help you navigate your business growth with strategic conversations and insights from experts in multiple industries. Welcome to Wayfinding Growth. This episode of Wayfinding Growth is brought to you by Sprocket Talk. If you're ready to take your HubSpot experience to a whole new level, you need to join Sprocket Talk as a free VIP member. That's right, free. Tutorials, courses, training, HubSpot updates, and so much more. Head to sprockettalk.com slash WG to join the movement and get an exclusive Wayfinding Growth deal. Hi there. Welcome to the show. I'm Remington Begg. And I'm Dan Moyle. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, listen, on today's episode, we're talking with Mark Ritter. Now, Mark is uh, CEO of a company, MBFS, uh, Member Business Financial Services, which is a credit union service organization serving all kinds of credit unions out there in the world, which then serve small businesses. So it's pretty interesting on a, on a growth side of things. Uh, he's an expert on credit unions and the business loan world. But today he's on the show talking about his growth journey and what it was like to be the fifth CEO in five years at MBFS, an organization that had never made money prior to his leadership. So that is why we're talking to Mark Ritter today. So Remington, what did you love about this episode? What'd you get out of this, man? So, um, you know, coming, we've talked about in previous episodes, this whole like, like teetering on this remote bandwagon. I'm <laughs> just kidding. Like going all in <laughs> on remote and, you know, being a distributed team. And I thought it was interesting because like, even though we've been around 12 years, we, we've always had a more modern take. Um, Google, you know, Google Drive, for instance, has been part of our stacks since the very beginning. Um, so it, one of the th- things that he unpacked was virtualizing IT early. And I thought that was very interesting because a lot of people hear the phrase, like, in, especially business owners that might not think about it, like uh, going to the cloud. Like he said that, he said that as you're thinking about going remote, you have to virtualize your IT. And then, and then he said, if he was to start over again, he would start virtual, even though it costs a little bit more money. I thought that was mm-hmm. pretty, pretty big. Yeah, that was really good. Um, I loved what he said about being an investigator. Mm-hmm. When we talked about him taking over, again, like five CEOs in five years had never made money month over month, uh, you know, a sinking ship, as it were. Yeah. He asked a ton of questions. He listened intently, looked for what was working, looked for what wasn't working, all this kind of stuff. Just an investigator. That was really good, too. So, yeah, good stuff on this episode, man. I'm excited for people to hear about this growth journey from the financial world. So yeah, for sure. Awesome. Here it is, friends. Season two, episode 16. Let's set that course for growth. So Mark Ritter, welcome to Wayfinding Growth. Thanks for making time to chat with Remington and me today. How are you doing, man? Pretty good. Pretty good. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. This is exciting. I was, I was really intrigued when I saw your bio, Mark, because when we're going to get to this in some of the, in some of the discussion here, but I find it fascinating that you took over what I would call the ship. So as, as wayfinders were kind of nautical themed, uh, you took over this like seemingly sinking ship, uh, five CEOs in five years, never making money. And you've turned this around. So we're going to get into that. Um, so I'm excited. That's why like, this is going to be really cool. Um, but let's talk a little bit about Mark, uh, how you got to where you are. Let's chart the course as it were. You look back to where you started. How did you get to where you are today? What was that journey like? Sure. Uh, I always tell people I'm a uh, white-collar CEO with the blue-collar background. Uh, I grew up very much in the coal regions of Pennsylvania, 
And uh, it was, if you've ever seen the movie, All the Right Moves, uh, that's the town where I grew up in, you know, one of these gritty industrial towns where high school football was king. And uh, a lot of people just kind of stay there. Um, I, I had an opportunity to go to college, you know, it was the proverbial first one in my family. And the only reason I was able to go uh, is I got a job working for the Penn State football team who gave me a scholarship to go work for the football team. Hmm. And then from there, I uh, was fortunate enough to get a, a business degree and then kind of rolled into banking and was doing your typical, you know, sort of out of college banking jobs and then found my way into credit unions uh, because I, I was kind of looking for that next phase of my career and I knew I wanted something. I really enjoyed community-based institutions, community-based lending which was rapidly declining hmm. uh, and still is, unfortunately. But I love being in those uh, organizations where you can work with people one-on-one -on -one and came across credit unions who uh, it very sh uh, it was only back in 1998 that they got the ability to help and serve businesses. And so when I got into credit unions, it was the wild frontier. Uh, there was hardly anybody doing this. There was hardly anybody in existence. And was in a credit union in central Pennsylvania that was over a 10-year period where we built it into a powerhouse. Uh, and I think part of my success was just sheer naivety to uh, jumping into just the unknown and saying, let's do it and let's fix it and let's get it done. And sometimes we were making it up as we go along. And, and today it's a much more mature industry. Uh, back then, it was kind of uh, almost like that tech entrepreneur startup where we were all working out of the garage. Mm. Uh, so so I, we built it into a powerhouse, and now I work with dozens of credit unions all over the country, helping them provide business loans to their members. That's awesome. So, so talk to me about taking over the helm. So, you know, with the previous CEOs that were there, talk to me about how you turned that ship around and, and maybe some, some things that you had to address that, um, as, as, a, as a byproduct of that. Sure. Uh, for the listeners, I was at a credit union for 10 years. And then in 2012, I was shifted to what's called a QSO, which is a company owned by credit unions that provide services to credit unions. And I was the fifth CEO in five years. Uh, it lost money every year, every month, no matter what. And it was well on that path. And I, I was another one when I was uh, the head of an, a department and a leader. And then when I came here, I thought I could just transfer that and twist it a little and then take it over. And which I quickly found out that's not the case. Um, when I got here, it really became a back-to-basics approach in terms of talking to my owners and my clients, what do they like about us, what they don't. And all the problems that I solved, none of them had to do with business lending and providing the services. Hmm. It was accuracy. It was service level. It was talking nice to their customers. It was having our staff understand our clients and our clients helping them succeed in what they do. 
and, and it was about my second or third business leave meeting when that's one of my board members looked at me and says, everything that you're fixing is nothing to do with business lending. It's just business. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so how does it, it's, so when I think about taking over a company or starting a company, I guess let's go back to that. When I think about starting a company, I think of it's my personality, it's my thing, it's my vision, it's my mission. I get to run this ship. When you take over for somebody, how does that differ from that, do you think? I'm a- part of the problems, I'm a big Freakonomics junkie, and part of the problem that I had wasn't just figuring out what was wrong. It was figuring why things were wrong and keep going back a couple steps to determine what was the root cause on why decisions were made. And I just kept going and going and not finding out what we did. And it's easy enough to just fix something and flip it. And yes, that's accurate today. But we, I kept going back and why is an issue? Why there's an issue? And, and I found out something. We were having a huge problem with payment processing and mailing. And it, when I finally kept going back and going back, I found out when somebody originally set up our system, they put on in an incorrect zip code and things were going through the mail for months at a time till they got to us. Hmm. And something as simple as that. Um, but it wasn't just fixing a problem. It was going back and root cause and where do things go and testing and working with our clients. And, and, and a lot of it was just communication hmm. to say, I understand where you're frustrated this is where I want to go. Where do you want to go? And let's work on it together. And communication bought me a lot of time with our clients. So I hear a couple of things in that, Mark. I hear uh, you're an investigator, so you have to investigate when you do this kind of thing. You test everything you said. You listen. You empathize. There's a lot that goes into turning a ship around whether you're stepping in or whether you have your own ship, like there's, there takes a lot of that stuff. I, I like the idea of, of investigating. Is that something that kind of comes natural to you or did you have to really think about that? I, I love that. And, and, and I have this attorney friend of mine who always says, you know, you're a wannabe attorney because I keep going and investigating and find out. And, and I'm the person who likes to, to find out the answers and then ask the questions and then a consent, build the consensus behind what we're doing and where we're going mm. and really help lead people down a path rather than just telling. So it, it's really working with their clients, working with our staff members and, and getting everybody on that same page and investigating where we want to go. Now the end, I had that end vision in mind, but it was a process to lead them there. Hmm. So when you're thinking about the, um, when you're thinking about that process that you went through, how, how long have you been CEO now? Uh, this fall will be seven years. Wow. Kudos. Well done. And I assume that things are profitable because you're still there. Every full year <laughs> since we've, I've been here, we've had positive cash flow. Nice. And we've actually been able to issue a dividend back to our owners versus when I got here, we were almost a million dollars in the hole. Wow. Mm. Wow. That's amazing. So, so as you went through that, that journey, um, sounds like it was in that first year specifically, but don't, don't make it just that. What, um, what was one of the biggest shipwrecks that you ran into? 
Oh, boy, it was definitely hiring the right people and putting the right people on the train. Hmm. Uh, I, we, had a, we, had, we were a small company. We've grown many times over, and we had one or so people that I would call those toxic staff members that just – and then there were the followers. Mm-hmm. And you know, when I would walk out of the office, everybody would roll their eyes and talk about me. And getting the, everybody in that consensus, and, and and I've never had before that. I was never in a position where I had to deal with HR issues. I always hired my own people. We built it. We kept it going, and, and it was much more of, of this consensus building. So we really had to get people build that vision, and then people that weren't on board, we had to work them out of the system, and then hire for culture to bring the right people on the train, you know, and what we do is, is commercial lending. There is a technical skill behind it, but really I hire for people at culture first and then everything else can fit in behind it. Because if I have the right culture and the right attitude and somebody, I always tell my, our staff, I'd rather somebody that I have to pull back than push out. Mm. Uh, And and that's 90% of it. I'll take that every day. Uh, for people who who love that, I love that. I'd rather have people that I have to pull back than push it out. Yeah, that's good. Absolutely. What else do you look for when you hire for culture? When you talk about commercial lending, like you said, Mark, there's a, a certain skill set. There's also, I would guess, a certain culture that's out there. <clears throat> air quotes normal. What do you look for that makes it different for your culture? So, being we work with credit unions. We, which are community-based financial institutions that are cooperative in nature. Hmm. I need people who understand banking, but can also fit that culture of the credit unions. Uh, you know, nobody's out there on the street protesting their local credit union because generally it's a pretty friendly relationship uh, between the credit union and the member. So uh, what I, I hate the stereotype, but if I have the country club banker, uh, somebody who really likes to kind of sit back and, 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 and just kind of sit behind a desk and say, if you need something, let me know, uh, and doesn't fit that credit union culture of service uh, in the, you know, we've all heard, we've all seen kind of those country club bankers where they're not really interested in helping you. They only want to work with a few people. Yeah, that's not us. Hmm. Uh, we're out there for the masses and we're out there first to provide service to people. The other thing that we've done is we virtualized the company, so we now hire people remote all over the place, which is very much different hiring for people within a staff. Mm-hmm. And how has that transition been then? Like, do you face a lot of pushback from your constituents on how that looks? No, actually, when we virtualized the company and sent people home, we didn't tell anybody, mm. uh, and nobody noticed till we told them at our client conference nine months later. <laughs> and, and we did that. We did that intentionally. Uh, so, and, and everything's seamless, but also hiring for a home-based employee. I, I look for people who, first of all, that's a good fit for them personally. I actually had a good friend of mine turn down a job to say, and cause she didn't want to work at home cause she said her husband's home all day <laughs> and office, <laughs> her office was uh, her respite to get out and have some peace and cot. So, so you really got to look for that personal fit uh, and somebody who's at a good point in their career who can handle it. Interesting. 
man, so cool. <clears throat> so what do you think is uh, one of your, your proudest moments looking over? You've been there for seven years, obviously tons of experience before that, but what's one of your proudest moments that you've been able to look back on and learn from? Sure. And, and, and I would say after that two-year mark, we had a board meeting where the, the board really looked around and said, I, I feel confident in who we are and what we're doing. And, and, and they were afraid to recommend us to uh, their client, their friends and clients because of where we were operationally from the past. And really, once we got into a building mode, rather than that, there was that day where we went from being a fixer to being in building and service. Uh, you know that that was pretty good. Where where we knew this is where go this was working, and we're going to take it going ahead. Awesome. Step ahead to triage. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's and like, <clears throat> excuse me, like you said earlier, Mark, it's almost like a like a startup, like a SaaS you know, software company. And we've had some other interviews, uh, some other conversations where they talk about that triage phase, the growth phase, the sustainable phase, this kind of thing. Remington's had some great stuff on that too. So interesting that that's the same in the financial world. Yeah. And, and, and part of the tougher piece here is, you know, we're still a regulated financial institute. Uh, it's not the wild west where I can just do whatever I want. <laughs> so there's this whole, you know, federal government agency that regulates our financial institutions looking over us and working with us. And, and it got to the point where they're now referring clients to us to, because they're happy with the work. So, so it's, it's a different mindset, obviously, when you're in a highly regulated institution like what we are. So, so is there, was there any challenges with internally the pivot from in-house if you will, to moving remote? It, the, you know, the biggest issue was the first thing we did is virtualized our IT. Okay. Uh, we used to be a company that had big, a, a room in the back with a bunch of boxes and backups <laughs> and everything else that you need. Um, so we first went through that uh, transformation to outsource and we had to really find a good partner on that piece. Uh, and, and our costs went up, but overall, it's really been a cost savings to us. Sure. Um, and, and even in terms of productivity, uh, you know, we, we have no more snow days. We have no more rainy days here at MBFS. Mm -hmm. uh, we're always up. And, and maybe here, uh, if, if our area has a snow day, not everybody's shut down or if we have power issues. So. Mm -hmm. Yep. No, that's awesome. Yeah, we, we have similar. So being distributed, it was uh, an interesting thing. We had that hurricane that just gladly didn't hit uh, any of us all up the eastern seaboard <laughs> right. um, directly. And uh, it was interesting because I, in the, in the past, have created like a triage document that like, hey, like we, we might be out. Like the office was out like a few years ago for like two and a half weeks because the majority of us were all in-house. Um, and now pivoting to... Wait, I was writing that email. I was working with Dan. I'm writing up this email. Hey, need you to take a look at this. And then the storm pivoted. And then suddenly, oh, but it still affects our team on the other side of the state, you know, <laughs> and then all the way up the, uh, all the way up the Eastern seaboard. So, so that's a, that's an awesome byproduct that I think sometimes when pivoting to remote, we don't think about, but it's a very real, a very real savings in general. Um, so what, mm -hmm. What navigational tools would you use? Like what tools specifically for the remote part in that transition? So I heard you say virtualizing your IT, but like what tools do you use 
to um, maintain that remote culture and then any other tools that you've used for growth that are. So we're, we are a, uh, we, we were fortunate enough uh, about four or five years ago to work with a company called Encino out of Wilmington, North Carolina. And I got in and, and this is a, a great company and I got started working with them when they were maybe a 30, 40 person company. And today they're a, you know, one of the billion dollar tech companies and they work with 11 of the 20 biggest banks. And, and that is really, they, they have a, a banking product and a service product and workflow that has really been able to, uh, to keep us moving regardless of where we're at, when we're at. And it was a kind of a right time, right place. I really bet right because today they've gotten so big that I don't think I could afford them or I'm big <laughs> enough to work with them. Sure. Um, but uh, it, without them, I, I don't know where we'd be because part of the challenge for me was working with federally regulated credit unions all over the country. Uh, and getting one tool that we can work with. It's one sure. thing if you, have, you know, if maybe say you have a client who's a, a, a dentist office down the street uh, that, you know, that, that you, you don't have as much security issues as, as I'm dealing with a whole federal institution's uh, client database. Mm. So, so that's been a, a wonderful tool and a great partner of ours to virtualize. It, it amazes me how many, how many niche tools there are out there. You know, you're talking about a specific banking tool and, and partner and software, and it could be the same thing that someone other industry uses, but it's specifically for banking. So there's so many tools out there for, for people to look into when it comes to their, to their growth journey. Um, are there any tools that you look back now and think, man, I wish I'd have had this when I started this journey? Yeah, I, I, you know, my biggest limiting factor was my server here. I ha everybody was in an office, everybody was here, <clears throat> and people, uh, you know, we hire a lot of people that have families and lives, and we were all bound by what by being close to the server. I wish I would have just virtualized the company <laughs> from amazing. day one, uh, and, and that's real. That's really given us the tools to grow because I can hire the right people when I want them, how I want them. Uh, so, so versus uh, being trapped to a, a server. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Um, and, and Mark, I'm curious too, when, when we talk about credit unions, I, I was just thinking about this kind of rolling around in my mind as you were talking, you were talking about community, very local, this kind of a thing, but MBFS, it sounds like has grown to the point where it's, it's not just local credit unions. I'm assuming who do you, who do you, who do you serve? Where are you? Where, where's MBFS footprint? So to, to kind of uh, put who we are, <clears throat> MBFS is a company that is owned by credit unions. Mm -hmm. And we are, my, where I, my office is in suburban Philadelphia in Bucks County. But, and we work with credit unions all up and down the East Coast. Hmm. And, and our mission is to help them provide services to their membership for, so that they can provide small business financing. Uh, and, and really the credit unions got this figured out for quite some time versus working together. You can make a lot more money and be a lot more effective than everybody trying to do things on their own. Uh, you know, we have all our systems where instead of 60 some credit unions going and buying their own 
uh, systems and hiring their own credit analysts and documentation people and lenders. Uh, we're basically an aggregator for that. Uh, mm. So, and, and we've evolved over the years to where we're now originating loans on behalf of the credit union. So uh, maybe you're in an area where you're not, you, you, you have financing needs, but you're not sure where to go. Well, instead of going to the 10 credit unions in your area, knocking on doors, seeing what's a fit, you can come to us and we'll place it in what's maybe the best fit for you and, and, and based off of your finances and what the credit unions lend. Interesting. So you're helping businesses grow out there as you're helping the credit unions grow. Exactly. Exactly. It's, it's a really nice fit. Uh, you know, every, uh, over a hundred million people in America belong to credit unions. Mm. Uh, people don't think of it as that big, uh, because they think of their local credit union, but aggregate basis, uh, it's enormous. And most people, uh, they joined it. Maybe they were part of a, an employment group or there's a, or a place they work. And, and they join their credit unions and then they went off and formed a business or, mm-hmm. or they're a member and then their spouse owns, has a business and they need that financing. A lot of times it's just maybe they have rental properties, something like that. Right. So it's a real nice fit uh, to help people who, uh, who are part of the cooperative. Hmm. Very cool. Interesting. Bucks County is an hour away from Phoenixville, which one of our growth strategists uh, works oh. remotely. So that's fun. Very cool. So it sounds very collaborative. Um, and speaking of collaboration, I want to know, Mark, from you, looking back at your look from your seat where you where you are now, if you could be a wayfinder for somebody else and kind of come alongside them as they're on their growth journey, whether they're a business owner, a CEO taking over, starting a company, what is probably your single best piece of advice that you would give somebody else on their growth journey? What what really are one of our keys to success from a tactical standpoint? was to figure out what's to stop doing. Uh, and we made, really made a list of everything that we do. And we were into businesses to, that didn't quite work uh, or they didn't fit or people, we, we could partner with people who could provide the service better. So my strategy is always to stream down your service offering as much as possible and focus on what you do well and partner with those who can do it better where, where it's a, a fit back and where maybe it's a, 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 a tactical fit for you. And, and, and I'm a big outsource guy as much as possible. <laughs> uh, I love the gig economy. It's been great for me when it comes to accounting, marketing, IT, uh, facilities, anything like that. I don't want to be involved with. Uh, I want to get people, hire people, get them in and get them out. Find the right partners. <laughs> Find the right partners. Awesome. So there's some good there's some good stuff there. So if there's mm. is there anything specific that you would want to make sure that our listeners know about about your growth journey that we didn't ask? No, I, I you you covered a lot. Uh, I, I, that's uh, I I think you have a, a a good niche there, and I appreciate it. So yeah, awesome. Absolutely. Where's the best place for people to find you, Mark? Sure. Uh, the best place is on our website, mbfs.org. Uh, and if you, if you have a business and you want to get connected with a credit union, or this just sounds interesting and you'd like to connect with a credit union, come to us and we'll, if we can't help you directly, we'll find a nice uh, place that can help you out. Awesome. mbfs.org. We'll put that in the show notes. Thanks for your time today, Marcus. It's a lot of fun. Thank you. Thank you. 
Thank you for listening. If you like this episode, please share it. Post it, tweet it, gram it, email a friend. Give the gift of knowledge to someone you know that could benefit from it. And if you really loved it, please consider leaving a rating and written review on your podcast player of choice. And as always, go to wayfindinggrowth.com for resources and past episodes. Remember, we're here to help you navigate your business growth with strategic conversations and insights from experts in multiple industries. Thank you for listening to Wayfinding Growth.